2: Hey, good afternoon. We wrap up the week here on Listen Up. We've got a couple of NBA games tonight with uh, Boston and Philadelphia just getting underway. And then you have the Suns who uh, are in a big time hole, but uh, they're home. Now they have a chance to uh, see what they can do against the Denver Nuggets. We've got that. We've got a a NHL game and then some more games coming up this weekend. Anything else that you want to talk about uh, we can do? Uh, I did my rant this morning on a very, I, I guess we could call it Uh, controversial. I I don't know if I would use that word, but I'm so tired of the rhetoric about Mount Rushmore. I mean, enough already. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the purpose of my rant this morning was you've got Jay Williams, who has a problem with Stephen A. Smith, talking about a Mount Rushmore And says that we need to get rid of the Mount Rushmore. And then Jalen Rose said the same thing last year because it's offensive. But you had an individual this week get fired from Barstool Sports, Ben Mintz, because he was singing the lyrics of a rap song and uttered the N-word. And the parent company, Penn Entertainment, fired him. All right? All right. Penn stock is down 8% since his firing. And and the point I'm trying to make is nothing makes sense in this world, or I should say in the United States. A lot of things make sense in other countries. In the United States, very few things make sense. So you're going to go on ESPN, and you're going to say that Mount Rushmore is offensive, okay, and that we should not be using that to talk about greats, all right? whether it's sports, whether it's music, whatever, okay? But yet these same individuals have no problem with the most disgusting word in the English language being part of our pop culture and our rap music. I mean, it it just, it's absurd. And I did a rant on this this morning. You know what? When you buy or subscribe or download any type of music, That has racial slurs in it, and many of those songs do, by the way, along with degrading lyrics towards women and we can go on and on. But there should be an absolute warning, such as a warning label when you buy a pack of cigarettes that states that if you are a white person in America, you should not sing any lyrics to these songs, nor talk about these songs, period. There should be a warning on that. It's okay to produce the music, but do not do not inhale, digest, do not listen, do not do anything with this music if you are a white American, period. I mean, that's the society that we're living in today. Yeah, let's get rid of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but let's have our rap music with degrading lyrics towards women and racial slurs in the N-word, that's fine. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. It, it really is. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. I mean, it, 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 it infuriates me is what it does. It really does. Because we want to, you know, just nitpick and choose. Maybe nitpick's not the right term. We want to We want to pick and choose, or certain individuals want to pick and choose what's offensive to them? Really, Mount Rushmore is offensive to you? But the the racial slurs, the N-word, the degrading lyrics in rap music is not offensive to you? That doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? We're going to pick on Mount Rushmore. That's offensive. Get rid of it. Jalen Rose, Jay Williams. But yeah, we're okay if we sing our music with all the racial slurs in them. Just amazing. I'll tell you something else since I'm on my rants. Draymond Green, you know, bringing his kids onto the podium for his post-game press conference and talking about how great those moments are to be sharing that with his kids. You know what? He can share all the moments with his children after games, but not on the press podium. Okay? Can you imagine – if every single player in the NBA brought their children, assuming they had children, up on the podium with them to do a postgame press conference, do you know what a circus that would be? And that was, I'm seeing people applauding Draymond Green. Oh, we're the great dad and this and that. You know, he may very well be a great dad. I don't know. I'm not in the walls of his house. He may be the best dad in America. I don't know but I don't want to see his kids on the podium when he's doing a post-game press conference. I don't want to see any kids up there. That's not what the media press conference is for. It's for the media to ask questions and to get answers. And very often the kids that are on the podium are nothing more than distractions and it's a pain in the neck. And that's not the purpose of it. So enough with the kids in the post-game press conference. You want to bring your kids in the locker room after the game, if you're allowed, fine. Bring them in the locker room. You want to have him in the back? Fine. You want to have them on the court after the game? I don't even have a problem with that. No problem at all. Share the experience with your kids. I think it's great. It's fabulous. But please keep them out of the post-game press conferences. Please. All right? Draw the line somewhere. You know, Draymond went on for over a minute. You know, after the Game 2 win talking about how great the memories are for him and his kids and that he'll always have that video to look back on you got lots of video with your kids you don't need to have them up there on the press on the post-game press conference like i I don't really believe that's enhancing the lives of your children okay i mean stop it already all right let me know what you want to talk about nba as we said boston and philadelphia currently going on and then you have the suns Uh, And the Nuggets. I I know it's been a hard week for a lot of Sacramento fans. I've always felt that when you have a good year and you have a loss in the playoffs, it's like the last thing you want to do is watch basketball. I know I've been through it before. So I get that. But the Celts are off uh, to a good start in Philadelphia. They lead 16 to 7. Obviously, they got to win one game in Philadelphia to get home court advantage back. But it's 16 to 7 in the first. All right. Last night, the Lakers absolutely, emba- or excuse me, the Warriors absolutely embarrassed uh, the Lakers. You know, Clay Thompson went off. The Warriors shot the ball extremely well. Anthony Davis, after a great game one, disappeared. Similarly to what happened with James Harden in game one, he disappeared in game two. But now they go back this weekend to Los Angeles to resume the series. But uh, the Warriors made quick work last night of the Lakers. 21-14 now the Celtics uh, lead, or it's now 24-14 in the first quarter. Let me see what the the early numbers look like for Joel Embiid. That's six points, two rebounds. James Harden one of two, one three-pointer, a couple of free throws, for five points for Boston early on. uh, Jason Tatum is clicking. He's already in double figures. All right, I need a leadoff person who wants to be my leadoff individual, and then we'll get the show rolling and get you ready for the weekend. Enjoy doing my show on YouTube. Thanks for all the positive feedback and uh, the number of people that watched in my uh, open forum. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that, and uh, we'll do that once a week at least due to the response that I had uh, yesterday. So it was good. We'll build that up and we'll make that a a weekly segment over on my YouTube channel, uh, if you don't like that. Monday, Sean Salisbury will be with us, will be uh, with me rather, talk much for a living Grant. Uh, Sean Salisbury will be with me on Monday at three o'clock Pacific. And we'll talk to him about a variety of topics. Speaking of Sean Salisbury, I, I really appreciate all the positive feedback that I have received on the podcast that was released on Tuesday as it relates to uh, animal abuse, uh, abuse of pets, and the difficulty of putting an animal down and things of that nature with Dr. Jay Griffiths and Amanda Connors. That was really interesting. And to hear Sean Salisbury and his take of coming across uh, three dogs that were left to die chained in a garage was just really interesting to hear the different perspectives from the different people and what they do as animal advocates. So hope you enjoyed that podcast. And again, thank you for those uh, that reached out. All right. Who wants to get me showing here? Who wants to get, who wants to be on the show? Let's go. Hit that hand icon. Let's do it. All right. You want to talk NBA? You want to talk NHL? You want to go in any other direction? No problem. All right. I'm ready to go in any direction you want. You want to talk about Formula One in Miami this weekend where, you know, getting a ticket cost, uh, the price of mortgaging your condo or your house, second mortgage uh, tickets are absolutely ridiculous. Since I'm, you know, ripping everybody, I'll, I'll I'll go one step further. Lewis Hamilton is the best driver in Formula One. The guy is an icon. Okay, I mean he is. Over the last what ten years, he has been Formula One racing. You know the Mercedes team. He's unbelievable. Okay, uh, he's comparing. He's comparing Florida to saudi arabia seriously are we really going there and he's going to wear the pride colors on his helmet good wear the pride colors on your helmet go right ahead you're going to compare what's going on in florida to saudi arabia seriously are we really going there I, i just i guess nothing surprises me anymore nothing surprises me connor we'll get to you how are you buddy
3: doing good grant how are you i'm good man what's happening yeah, a couple of things today. I heard news out of the Yankees that Carlos Rodon has a chronic back issue. It's just Yep. Again, we talked about right it. He's going to get a shot of today. cortisone. going to get a
2: shot of cortisone to see if that helps.
3: So I'm assuming that's going to delay his return even longer than expected in the beginning?
2: Yes, they're getting a very good return on their $160 million contract. huh? Who else is going to get hurt this weekend, you think? Maybe, uh, maybe Aaron Boone will get hurt going out to the uh, mound to take all the pitchers out that suck. And maybe he'll get hurt. Maybe he'll trip coming out of the dugout. You never know.
3: Well, they're playing the Rays right now. And the Rays manager got ejected because Yankees pitchers hit Randy Rosarena twice in a row after he homered against them earlier in the game.
2: Yep. How about that, huh? Amazing. Just amazing. Um, the Yankees are a mess. They're, they're a mess. I, I don't know what else to say. Now, it's only early May. So, yeah, they have a lot of time to climb out of it. But they, 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 they have a long ways to go right now. They have a long ways to go because they've got a lot of areas of concern. I personally think even when the Yankees are healthy, which I don't know when the last time they've been healthy, but I, I don't think they're that good even when they're healthy. You know me. I've been very consistent about this. I think they're a very overrated team. I think they're poorly constructed. I think they have a bad general manager, and uh, I, I just don't see it. What is it, 4-1? Last time I looked, Yanks are down, what, 4-1 in the fifth or sixth? So that game's yeah. over. You know, they're not going to come back on the Rays down 4 1. Uh, The Red Sox are winning. And the only reason why I say that, we're talking about, you know, the standings and who's in last place. You know, the Yankees continue to fall further and further behind everybody. They're in last place. Think about that. The Yankees are behind Tampa, Baltimore, who all of a sudden is a good team, Boston, Toronto, and then the Yankees in last place. The Yankees are in last freaking place. Now, that's also a very good division. The Yankees are 17 and 15 in last place. 17 and 15 in the Central would put you one game out of first place. 17 and 15 in the West would put you a game and a half out of first. 17 and 15 in the NL East would put you in second place behind Atlanta. 17 and 15 in the Central would put you in third place, uh, uh, three games back in the Central. In the West, Seventeen and fifteen would put you two games back. So you know, let's also acknowledge that the division they're in is really, really good. But the Yankees are a mess.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I think fans are starting to finally catch on. I've watching some of the games. I've heard a lot of fire Boone and fire Cashman chants. But obviously, that's not going to result in any change, but. At least the fans are starting Well, you've heard me,
2: you've heard me saying fire, fire these guys for years now. I've been saying fire Brian Cashman for over five years now. Yankees fans are now just starting to realize that you got a general manager who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Seriously, are we going to keep on going back to 2009 with Brian Cashman? I mean, this is absurd. It's a joke. It's an absolute disgrace. I don't understand the infatuation that Hal Steinbrenner has with Brian Cashman.
3: Yeah, neither do I. And then I had another question about the NHL because we've talked about it before, that it's usually only one day off in between games. I know. Again, the Vegas gets two days off and then the Oilers only get one day to fly back to Edmonton and play game three. It seems kind of strange to
2: me. I'll tell you what it is. It's the new TV contract. That's what it is. When the uh, new TV contract came out uh, with ESPN and uh, Turner, uh, they have provisions in there to have more of the playoff games isolated On their TV platforms. And that's why the games are a little bit more spread out. It always used to be every other day. There were no exceptions, but now that doesn't happen anymore. And I would, you know, I would agree with you, but, you know, Vegas to Edmonton is not that long of a flight, but I understand where you're coming from.
3: Yeah. And I don't know. Have you read or heard anything about the news with Tom Brady maybe backing out of his Fox deal again and anything about that? Uh, a
2: little bit of rumors here and there, and I think the rumors first surfaced when he decided he was going to take a year off. And you know it would not surprise me. you know his life is completely different now uh, with his divorce, his kids and so that, that would not shock me. It's not like he needs the money, Connor, right? I mean again, I don't even know what his divorce is like or mon- monetarily. I think if I, again, I, I'm speaking maybe at a turn here, I believe that his uh, ex-wife, has more assets than he does. So, you know, if anyone's getting paid, I, maybe he's the one that's getting paid. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I don't know that. What I'm saying is, I don't think that Tom Brady is hurting for money.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. And then last thing, you were talking about the Warriors a little bit and stuff. I just had kind of a question about Jordan Poole and everything. Just how does this guy get basically a max contract? He's getting paid over $100 million. I just, I don't see it when I watch him play. He has terrible shot selection like we saw at the end of game one we saw we've seen that he's careless with the basketball in the king series i just he's a perfect example of what's wrong with the nba and how players like steph curry and clay thompson have basically just made anyone think that they can be those players and just chuck threes from wherever
2: yeah he's very jekyll and hyde i mean when he's bad he is really bad and there were some he had some horrible games against Sacramento, where you're like, what is this guy doing? Has he ever played before? So I'm with you. Based on what we're talking about, he does seem to me uh, to be uh, way overpaid. I think you're right. There are a lot of players uh, in the NBA, to me, that are overpaid. But he's certainly one of them based on his production. But then, you know, when he when he, when he he is on and you're like, wow. Uh, but the wow moments don't come enough if you're a Warriors fan. So I, I think you make a good point there. Yeah,
3: and then last thing, what did you think about Kavon Looney coming off the bench I think maybe there were rumors that he was a little bit sick but they had Jermichael Green starting and with how dominant Looney was in the King Series that was just kind of questionable to me
2: well what was the final score of the game last night
3: well they won by a lot so I guess it didn't matter okay
2: so so what would you say you would say that was a good coaching correct yeah okay I mean the, the reason why I'm bringing this up I want to I want to I want to go some here I want to go somewhere with you here so Steve Kerr changed the starting lineup in this King series, correct? For games, five and six, correct? Maybe even games, uh, when, when Draymond Green came off the bench and then Draymond started game seven. So we talked about the Kings lineup and the players that were on their starters, starting lineup that struggled, namely Kevin Herter. And you had one coach who even in this round continues to make changes in the starting lineup and it's worked both times you had a coach in sacramento albeit hell of a year unanimous coach of the year that made no changes except one which was in game seven which did not involve the starting lineup it involved the rotation coming off the bench where he went with Terrence davis and very little of davion mitchell which did not work. Okay. I mean, obviously Steph Curry had 50 points. I can't ignore that Connor. I can't ignore that. You have Steve Kerr. Who's got a championship team. They're the defending champs and has no issues at all with changing his starting lineup based on what has already gone on matchups, things of that nature. But we didn't see that in the Sacramento perspective with their starting lineup, at all, even though they had one player in particular who was struggling big time. Now, you could also say that in the first four games of the series, that was true of Keegan Murray. And then Murray got his game going. Was it game four he got it going or game five? I want to say it was game four he got it going. He was awful in games one, two, and three. He broke out in game four, had game good game five, good game six, good game seven. What I am saying is, and I'm just throwing this out at you, how many coaches would have stayed with their starting lineup for all seven games in that series, particularly after Murray struggled as much as he did in games one, two, or three? Now, you can look at this the other way. Mike Brown's looking at the big picture, and he's saying, you know what, this kid is my future. I need to get him all of this playoff experience, even if it takes a step back now it's going to move me two steps forward big time in the future because of this experience that he's going through. However, is it worth possibly losing a game and thus this series in the meantime? Now, that wouldn't be true of Kevin Herter. You're not worried about taking a step back with him to take two steps forward because he's a veteran. Again, I'm just getting into the, the mind and the and the decisions that coaches make and why they make these decisions. But I find it very interesting that. You you were talking about not starting Kavon Looney, whether he's sick or whether he's not sick. The reality is the Warriors blew the Lakers off the floor last night. So whatever Steve Kerr did, whatever decisions he made, were the right decisions.
3: Yeah, and I guess that leads me to when we're talking about Mike Brown, it seems like in the regular season he was a lot quicker to pull guys like Keegan Murray when they had a slow night shooting the ball. But in the playoffs he basically – Reverse that ideology and wrote out with Herder and Murray the whole series. So I guess that's just a little different.
2: I don't. I understand writing out Murray because of what I just t- said. You might take one step back to move two steps forward. I did not understand continually going with Kevin Herder in the series. It made no sense to me, and I really mean that. Or it didn't make any sense to start him, see him miss his first couple of shots and still go with him. I I don't understand that. I mean, you have a bench for a reason. And I think when you're in the playoffs, games really become almost must-win games. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. You gotta win four, but you don't wanna concede or give up a game in the playoffs because you're hoping that one of your players is gonna break out of a long slump. I wouldn't personally, but that's coach's decision. And again, we're talking about a guy that was the unanimous coach of the year. He did a hell of a job. But that doesn't mean he's not fair to be criticized. You can criticize him. I'm criticizing him right now. I thought his rotations, particularly in game seven, did not really make sense to me. It did not make sense to me how you would have a player that was so effective in the first five games defending Steph Curry only play eight minutes. I just, it doesn't add up to me.
3: Yeah, it really doesn't because Terrence Davis, he's probably a guy that's on the way out and Davion Mitchell is, I think most people would think, is part of the future of this team. So to not ride with him when he was playing so well, just, I mean, what does that do to the confidence of Davion Mitchell? I know he's a professional and everything, but why? I mean, I just don't get how he would feel if he's being pulled when he was playing so well.
2: I guarantee he's not happy about it, but based on watching him at Baylor and seeing him in the first two years, I, he's one of the guys I don't really worry about with his head. He seems like he's got his head on really straight. Seems like he is, you know, very uh, mature for his two years of experience in the NBA. And it just, from from my view, it doesn't look like confidence is an issue with him. So I'm probably not worried about that with him. But, yeah, I understand where you're going with that question.
3: Yeah, that's all I got. Good conversation today.
2: Yeah, thank you, Connor. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.
3: All right, if you want to come on
2: next, raise your hand. And we will do this, all right? Join me right here. On listen app. Yeah, I'm not so sure if the Kings win anyway, but I just find it interesting. They have a team that's a defending world champions. They're a dynasty and you have their coach who has no issues making lineup changes in the middle of a series such as last night. Let's get to Waggus. Waggus, how are you today?
0: I'm good. Um, yeah, so I mean... Look, I, I think maybe you know Mike Brown made a mistake and he'll learn and grow from it as well, right? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I, but but you know, Grant, I I know what you guys are saying and I get it, but Steph Curry still had 28 points in the first half and we were up by two. We lo- in my opinion, you know, we lost that game because come on, Looney turned into Dennis Rodman, and you know, if if you don't rebound the basketball. Um, you know, it's a killer because you can't get your offense going. Number one, right? Because you
2: continue to play defense and you get tired,
0: and you you just can't win a game, right? So,
2: I agree with you, hundred yeah, percent.
0: Yeah. So I think that's why we lost. Yes, it would have been nice to see, if, but I I still don't think that we win that game.
2: If I don't either. Rebound puck, I don't. I don't. I don't. Right? So, I, don't I, I agree with you. I don't yeah. think the Kings. I said before the series, you did not want to get that team with Steph Curry on your floor in a game yep. seven. And a winner take all. I said that before the series began. I said that is not a recipe for success for a team in the playoffs for the first time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, you know, Mike Brun still gave us a great season. I mean, I was spectacle of him. He started out 0-4. Remember that, Grant? I was really (laughs) spectacle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's it's okay to make mistakes. And he still gave us a great season. Sure it is. yeah, and I agree. Yeah, he grows, but, but, you know, I kind of wanted to shift gears and, you know, cause I know we're shifting gears to football now and, you know, every year, same con I, I know we had many conversations about this last year, about the Niners quarterback situation, and now we're going into another season now where other teams like Seattle, in my opinion, have gotten better. And we still don't have a definitive quarterback, but we have all this talent around and all this talent is now getting older. So, I mean, what's your whole take on that situation with pretty playing, not praying and lands and like what's going on? I mean,
2: well, the reality is, you know, one thing in the National Football League that's out of your control are injuries. Right. And injuries change the way you go about business. And when you're talking about the quarterback situation, it's not like they grow on trees. Yeah. So, you know, that's why they went out and got Sam Darnold because they're thinking, well, gee, maybe Kyle Shanahan, blah, blah, blah. You know, to me, the Niners are still a better team than Seattle. I think people are giving Seattle way too much credit. Personally, I think you're giving them way too much credit. I think San Francisco is still a better team without even knowing what the quarterback situation is going to be. As I sit here and talk to you on May 6th or whatever the day is today, yeah. uh, I, I will, I will May 5th, I will tell yeah. you, I think the Niners are going to end up with a better record than the Seahawks this year.
0: Right. It's just what what worries me is that all of our talent, Debo, is still young, but... I mean, is still young, but like a lot of our talent is a year older, and you know, it's just, it just, I, I feel like our window is is not closing, but it's the beginning of maybe you know these next couple of
2: years. We got to get it done,
0: will not you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, but I
2: don't. You don't. Yeah, but yeah, but you 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 don't ever look that far ahead in the NFL. The NFL okay. is a now league. It's not a two or three year league. You know, you don't look that far if you're a team like the Niners. Right now, this year, to me, they still have a chance to be very, very, very good. And, yeah, I don't know about the quarterback situation right now. Kyle Shanahan doesn't. John Lynch doesn't. Right. And, yes, that that is a concern. But if you're going to just look at the totality of their team, I don't think they're better than Philadelphia. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't think they're better than Philly. But no, other than, they're than they're that, I don't think. But, but other than Philly, I don't think there's a team in the NFC right now that I would put ahead of San Francisco. And, I, again, I'm only saying this. You know, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Then the Eagles are very beatable, just like anyone else. That is
0: true. Uh, so last year, you said with this whole situation with Lance and Garoppolo, right? You said that if you got Shanahan in a room and you asked him and he's really not sold on Lance, this Correct. year, I believe he, that. Had an opp- he, he had an opportunity to probably get rid of Lance, right? Maybe get a pick or two or whatever,
2: right? Well, well John Lynch did. John Lynch is still the one that ultimately right. makes those decisions, not Kyle Shanahan.
0: Right, but, but I'm pretty sure he listens to him, right, or I mean, or yeah,
2: but I mean, John Lynch is making the decisions, not okay. Kyle Shanahan, okay. in my opinion. now, I know there are a lot of people that would disagree with that, and yeah. that's why they ended up taking Lance uh instead of uh Jones, but uh, you know i I don't know what the truth is, but all right, go ahead, I, your point yeah, is what
0: yeah, um I guess my question is this: in your opinion, do you think that Kyle Shanahan deep down? he really doesn't know what Lance's future is, or do you think he already knows and he's just trying to see if he can get something out of him?
2: I think he knows already. I think, I think he knows, knows after watching. I think he knows already. When you have an individual in your locker room on the practice field, you get a really good feel. And I think, you know, I will tell you from being around professional sports, yep. you know, you know, early on when you have a high draft pick, and you know, uh oh, we drafted the wrong guy. You know, you know. I, I, I always tell the story about Thomas Robinson when right. I went to Vegas Summer League, and I was there two days after Summer League began, and I walked up to Bobby Jackson and I go, How's Thomas looking? I was all excited. He goes, he can't play. I go, what, he's hurt already? He goes, No, he can't play. I go, What do you mean he can't play? He said, he can't play. I'm like, Bobby. <laughs> What do you mean? He can't play. He's like, bro, I'm telling you, he can't play. And I'm just like, and he never could play. I mean, now think about that. That's Bobby Jackson after watching him for two days in summer league. Now that may be a little of an extreme example, but it's still a good example. Correct. Like, you know, you know, when you get somebody in your gym after a while that, oh my gosh, we made a mistake. Now, I would also tell you that was not the case with Marvin Bagley because Marvin's issues early in his career were labeled as we don't know because he's hurt all the time. You see the difference? Right. Exactly. But with Thomas Robinson, that was not the case. Yes. And you knew early on, even in the preseason and you were like, Oh wow. You know, and I'll tell you something else. I'll never forget this. We were in Brooklyn. And I had to do a pregame interview with Thomas Robinson. His first year. Right. And I remember after getting done with the interview, I remember saying to myself, this is not going to be good. Just, I can get the, the, the I, I don't even know what adjectives to, to use here, but just the whole picture, it was almost like I was not even talking to him. I was talking to somebody else. It just didn't seem like he was engaged with what was going on around him with all aspects of being a NBA basketball player. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but you could just, i, I and maybe I had Bobby's, Thoughts in my head and maybe my own eyes have told me this guy's not going to be very good. And maybe right. I was had preconceived thoughts and I wasn't giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I remember after doing that interview, I remember walking away and going, this is never going to work. This guy's never going to be good. And I, I, I'll never forget that feeling. And I remember exactly where I did the interview and in what room in the Barclays Center. I'll never forget coming out of there going, this is not going to be good. Yeah, and it wasn't.
0: Yeah, and and so so, so to kind of I kind of get what you're saying. Like you're saying, Shanahan knows, but he's not trading him because
2: he doesn't make the decisions. So it's yeah. And let me give you one other example, if you yeah. don't mind me interrupting. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Okay, when the Sacramento Kings took Jimmer Fredette with a lottery pick, and they took yes. Isaiah Thomas with the last pick in the draft. Yes. Two weeks, in the training camp, two weeks, every single person in the organization knew that Isaiah Thomas was a better player than Jimmer. And within two weeks of training camp, we all knew that Isaiah would be playing more than Jimmer.
4: With Lucky Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: This
0: is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Fridette. Now, we didn't know, none of us could have forecasted that Isaiah would have gone to be an all-star and an MVP candidate. Nobody could have ever predicted that. But before game one, right, we knew that Isaiah Thomas was a far better NBA player than Jim Fredette.
0: Yeah, but... Okay, so, so you think team just knows and that we just never hear
2: about it because they don't want to put that out there just to protect the team. Or of whatever. course, they don't really want to admit they made mistakes. Teams know. Yeah. No. You know how many athletes I've asked? I've asked? I've asked former really good players this, especially in football. I said, hey, I go, I'm curious. When you draft a, a, a first round pick and they come with high accolades and everything else, I said, how long does it take before you know whether that player is going to be good or not, and I most of the time, my the response is, "Oh, we can tell within the first week of practice." Okay, I'm like, "Come on!" And no, really, like I mean, it, it really shows up that quickly. Now there are exceptions. There are players that have been very poor their first and second year, right. and in their third year they blossom. Their fourth year they blossom. I mean, it, it happens. It happens all the time. But when there's a player that just doesn't get it, and you know they're never going to be good that just seems to show up more like Thomas Robinson. Think about this. Bobby Jackson made that comment on two days of summer league, two days, Wow. two days of summer league. Okay. And by the way, if memory serves me correct, the Kings had not even played a game yet in summer league. And just from two days (laughs) of practice, Bobby made that comment. And I'm like, wow. So when you, when you know, you know, I guess I'll just leave it at that.
0: And, and, does some of that evaluation have to do with a person's ability and effort as well? Yes. Or, or is It It okay. has to do
2: with the whole, everything. That's a great yeah. question. It's yeah. not just the physical tools. It's the mental capacity, not yeah. to be able to handle being a professional. You know, there are a lot of athletes that I've yep. seen, particularly in the NBA yep. that come in and they have every tool in the toolbox, yep. but they don't, but they don't have the, the capacity uh, from the neck up to handle being a professional. And yeah. they, 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 they just can't deal with it. You know, it, it, it happens. They're not mature enough. They think that they're entitled. I would say that the biggest issue that I've seen with players that have come into the league and failed is entitlement. They come in, they're a big yeah. man on campus. They've been wind and dying their whole career. They've yeah. been given this, they've been given that. And they feel they come into the NBA and it's going to be the same way. And they have a great sense of entitlement. And the players that come in with a great sense of entitlement, many of them fail
0: yeah and and you know Kobe, I always thought Kobe was a great player coming out of high school, but I always thought that he made himself just better over the years, you know, just kept on working on his Yes, ground. he did and, and one of the yes, things he that he said in his interview he's like, when I came in, people you know when when, when I see guys come in the league, what happens is, is that you know their financial situation, now they're set for life, and then they just take a step back. And yep. that's the difference between champion. He's like, he's like, that's why I know Mike is, you know, winning all these rings is because these guys are not serious. So yeah. I mean, there may be some, some part of that too, as well. So human might well, t- this: the greatest,
2: the greatest players that I remember seeing in the NBA. I always used to hear stories about them behind the scenes. I always shared the story about Michael Jordan, you know, Derek Dickey, the late Derek sure. Dickey, my dear friend, who I just still can't believe he's gone when he, we lost him at such an early age, but, when Derek was, uh, after he worked with me and he went to Chicago to work with Neil Funk on the radio, always shares the story of they were playing in Chicago and the next night they had a game in Miami and you lose an hour. And he said they got to the hotel after three in the morning. And Derek was an early morning riser. It just was his routine. It didn't matter what it was. Derek was going to get up, get the paper, get a cup of coffee. And Derek told me he was sitting in the, the lobby of the hotel after not even getting into your room until three thirty in the morning. And they had a game that night against Miami. And there goes Michael Jordan walking through the lobby with his trainer for a workout. Yeah. Okay. and, And I used to go, you know, doing my radio show at the arena hours before the game, I got a chance to see things that most people would not see. And I would see the greatest players of all time come in before any of the fans were allowed in because it's too hard for them with the distractions. And they would get their workout in. Kobe used to always, always, always be out. When I used yeah. to go to the Staples Center to do my show at 3 o'clock, yeah. Kobe, was all, Kobe was already there. Yeah. Chick, Hearn was the, Chick Hearn was there getting ready for his broadcast, and Kobe was there. And Kobe went through a full freaking workout, and it was like he wasn't talking to anybody. There wasn't any chit-chat. He was working. Ray Allen used to come out onto the floor every single game Three hours before the game, and go through his full workout. I remember LeBron in Sacramento once. I'll never yeah. forget this. LeBron came out onto the floor at four o'clock with all of the players that normally don't play a lot of minutes. And teams require the like the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, or you know the guys yeah. on the end of the bench. They yeah. require them to get over early and get their their work in before the starters get there. Yeah. And LeBron was out on the floor with all of those players, and they went through a full tilt, not eighty percent. Not ninety percent. A full one hundred percent workout, and then a pickup game going full tilt for one hour from four to five. And LeBron looked like he had jumped out of a swimming pool after that. Okay, wow. and then LeBron came out onto the floor for the start of the game two hours later and had one of his you know patented triple doubles: thirty-five points, seventeen rebounds, twelve assist game. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guys that the guys that are great are great because, yeah, they have a lot of natural ability, but they're also great because they work harder than everybody else. You, you've heard, I'm sure, interviews with Kobe, yep. you know, when they ask, you know, why, why is it that you were able to always be on top? Why? And he said, well, I worked harder than everybody. And he goes, yep. you know what? If I, if, I knew, if I knew a guy was getting to the gym at 6.30 in the morning, I made sure I got there at 6 in the morning. If that player then wanted to show me up and get to the gym at 6 in the morning, I made sure I was there at 5.30 in the morning. He goes, because nobody was ever going to outwork me. If I heard that guy was working out six hours every day in the offseason, you know, on another team, I worked out nine hours every day. On You know what I mean? Like, he was never, ever going to be outworked. The great players in all sports have the same attitude. They're never going to be outworked.
0: Yeah. Grant, you're saying that. I'm looking at a video right now of Game 7 because I got there like 40 minutes early. And Warriors were going to be on my side, and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were out there shooting, and nobody else was.
2: There you go. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. They were the only ones. I mean, like, so my son, my son works uh, for the Kings, and he handles a lot of this. Yeah, and he he handles a lot of the stuff. He handles a lot of the stuff in the visiting locker room, and he tells me that on off days, um, or, or, or excuse me, visiting teams, they come in and very often they have optional workouts, right? Okay, And he told me last year, not this past season, the season before he goes, he goes, yeah, I just had the greatest experience. I go, yeah, what? He goes, well, Giannis came over for a workout. He was the only one from the team that came over to utilize the gym and the workout. And I was in a locker room and he talked to me for a half hour and he was asking me, you know, where I was from, how long I've been doing this, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, it was just unbelievable the conversation I just had with Giannis. I go, wow, that's great. I go, who else was there? He goes, No, nobody, Dad. He goes, nobody (laughs) else was there. It was just Giannis. And I'm just thinking to myself, there's just another example of great players. They're great because of their work ethic, right? And I'll I'll give you another example. And this was not from my son. This was from somebody else. Do you know that when the Kings hosted the Mavericks, Kyrie Irving had just played one game two nights before in L.A., right? Yes. So the... Mavericks had an optional practice on their off day in Sacramento. Yes. Do you know that the only guy that did not show up for the Mavericks was Kyrie Irving. And yet he had only been on the team for three days. You would think if anyone should have been there to work out with his teammates, it was Irving. He didn't, he he, he didn't, he didn't go to the optional workout. And now I will also say he had a great game the next night against Sacramento. If you remember, that was without Luca and they yep. won and Kyrie was great. So, you know, I'm also gonna add that in. But don't you just find that interesting?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and Kyrie talks about him, you know, looking up to Kobe. Kobe would not have been pro- and, and 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 I know we had conversations about Kyrie, you know, not playing. Kobe would not have been proud of him today. And 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 another thing, Grant, before game five, I was worried. We were all worried that Fox, you know, was not, was not gonna be able to go. And you told us, I know Fox. If he can play, he will. And then Fox yes. comes out and said, no ifs or buts, I'm playing. So I'm just glad that we have a star like that. Because if that was quite yep. Leonard,
2: I, I, I don't think he's playing. No, so. there's no. Listen, when, I, when you're around players like I am on an everyday basis, yep, you, yep. You, you, get a, you get a real understanding of who's tough and who's not. And I would have many conversations with De'Aaron when he had this or we had that. And he would go, don't worry about me, I'm playing. Like, that would be his answer to me. I'd go up to him. i go, hey, you're going to be able to go tonight? And he'd say, don't worry about me. I'm playing. Like, and I was like, hmm, okay, I get it. You know, he wouldn't tell me what was going on with his injury. He, he would just look at me and go, don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, I was just like, wow, okay. I love that mentality. And that happened several times. And, you know, I, I would be on the court getting ready to do my open, you know, and he'd be warming up behind me. And, you know, he would have been questionable to play. And I would just look at him. He wouldn't even, he would just nod his head to me. Like, I'm telling you, don't worry about me. I I just, and so when I heard that he had a fracture fingertip on a shooting hand on Monday, he was listed as doubtful. Yes. I said, I I said to myself right then, I'm not even worried about this guy. Unless, unless his hand is in a full cast, he's playing. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. That the Aaron Fox was going to play. Now, I also told you, I don't know if he's going to be able to play that effectively, but he is going to be playing. And then, of course, he had a great game, if you remember.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know he did. Yeah, 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 no, you're okay. So, and, and I got to ask you this Did uh, I know DeMarcus had a lot of bad things, but
2: did he have that in him that he always wanted to play, or, or was he late? Yes, he always wanted to play. Okay. No, He always wanted to play. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no, he, 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 you know, of all the things that, you yeah. know, he and I have gone back and forth with. He did hate losing. Yep. He did hate losing, uh, really did play to win, wanted to win, but he didn't realize that he went about it the wrong way. But, no, he, he, was a, he wanted to play. He wanted to play. Now, I would say this, the organization yep. and him, they shut him down every year at the end of the year, which drove me crazy. But you know, a lot of teams do that.
0: Yeah, but that was part of his own doing as well. You know, um, you know, getting in, you know, whatever. You uh-huh. know? Because because I really felt like if Demarcus was like Fox, uh, could you imagine that one-two punch, right? Um, or could you imagine if Fox, you know, was? I mean, if if Cousins was still with the team, right? I'm just saying because he's still, you know, still in his. Yep. It, you know. His biggest.
2: Because- yeah, his biggest problem, uh, particularly in the first several years of his career and all of the years in Sacramento, no. if you remember, every time you used to see him in training camp, he was felt – he looked like he could play middle linebacker for any team in the NFL. And as the season went on, his body changed. He did not have a good diet. He did not off take season. care of himself. No, not off season during the season. He, oh, he, okay. came in and he came in in phenomenal shape. He came into training camp always looking great. Uh, and as the season went on, he got heavier – And his conditioning was not as good, even though he was playing a lot of minutes, because he didn't take care of his body the way he should have. And that always hurt him. Uh, He could have been so much better if he had taken care of his body during the season better than he did.
0: But how's that possible if somebody's playing all that much? And
2: I mean, I'm just saying like, okay, doesn't matter. You get on the airplane with In-N-Out burgers and Chick-fil-A and fried foods and everything else. It really doesn't matter. How much you're playing it is going if you're it, it, it's going to add up all right it just does and i watched yeah. it okay i mean the yeah. plane would be catered with certain food right right and yet the guys would walk on with garbage you know when you're thinking wow that's your that's your machine that's your engine and but you know it just happened they're young and that they they felt like don't worry about it i'm going to be fine and a lot of the players were but i, I always found the bigger heavier players. Their metabolism and again i hate to talk like i'm a nutritionist because i'm not right but i just found that to be the case with bigger guys bigger bodies that they couldn't do that they they could not eat that way and still maintain the body that they were really hoping to have for the whole right. year it didn't work like that
0: okay yeah 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 no you're you're i mean it's just like with james Harden. last couple of years he was really out of shape as far as i'm concerned but you know he over the, yep. oh you know he went on this diet and he's had a great year so yeah, so this has been great conversation. Last thing, do you think the Sixers are going to beat them in seven or six or what?
3: No, what do I don't
2: think? think the Sixers are going to beat them because they have James Harden on their team.
3: Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, no, you no, think? no,
2: You're, you're absolutely g- correct. Give me, give, give me your prediction.
0: My brain tells me Celtics, but my heart wants them to be to win because I really want to see Nuggets versus, um, you know, um, Sixers because I want to see a matchup
2: of big men's. But, You're absolutely correct. Here's the other reason why why I don't think Philadelphia is going to win. Because I don't think Embiid's 100%. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a real issue in this series. I think Boston's a little better. And I just, again, if this goes seven games, which I think it very well could go seven games. Right now it's, uh, I think, 49-44 with four minutes left to go in the first half. If this goes seven games, I don't see Philadelphia. You know, again, here's James Harden again. Yeah. Playoff James Harden. One of seven in this game. Yep. He's one of seven from the floor. One of seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, this is the same guy. No, I mean this is the I, same I guy that had 45 points yep. in game one, had two of twelve and all of six from three in game two. And here he is with his team down 49, 44, and he is one of seven in 17 minutes.
0: At the end of the day, if he wants to win and if he wants to shut up all of his critics. He's got to play like he plays game one or at least play a little bit decent. And and I really felt like in game two, they had a good opportunity there. He just kind of took a step back. So, uh, yep. no, I get it. I mean, it, I, I think this is the best team he, he's he been on. Well, I agree. maybe that 248. No, I think so.
2: Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: So, it should be fun. So, well, thank you, Grant, for the great conversation.
2: Hey, thank you, Waggus. I appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. I mean, again, it's, you know, he could go out and score 30 in the second half. He's capable of it, but I I just don't get it. Again, 51-44 now with uh, 340 left. James Harden, one of seven. Wow. All right. On that note, if you want to get on, now's your opportunity. If not, we will uh, move on, but we got callers that want to talk, so I'll be happy to oblige. Jerry, welcome to the show, Jerry.
5: Hey, Grant, great call between you and Vegas. Thank you, buddy. Hey, Grant, I have a couple things for you. Uh, You're uh, talking about Thomas Robinson. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, When Bobby Jackson told you that uh, day two uh, um, in the Vegas Summer League, uh, so what happened with the uh, coaching staff, uh, with the scouts? I mean, they didn't uh, see that uh, when they drafted him?
2: Obviously not. Uh, he's the one he refused to come in for a workout in Sacramento, his agent. They never came in for a workout. And the, uh, they, the most people thought he was going to go before the King selected him at number five, I believe. And they they he was on the board and they took him. They thought he was the best available talent at number five. And I remember Scott Pollard telling me uh, after doing Kansas games and watching him play every game. He said, man, you guys better not draft Thomas Robinson. I go, why is that? He goes, he's never going to be good in the NBA. I go, why is that? He goes, he doesn't have a position. He's not a three and he's not a four. And he's not going to be able to play in the NBA. He's going to never be anywhere near the player that people think. I'm like, you wouldn't take him, huh? He goes, I wouldn't take him under any circumstances. And he, then, then he told me, he goes, I don't know if I would take him with a second round pick. Wow.
5: Grant, is there a reason why he didn't want to come in and work out for the Kings?
2: A lot of players do that. Agents influence that. Um, the Kings were a bad team and a lot of agents think, well, gee, if we don't come work out there, that team won't select us. So there's a lot of lot that goes into that.
5: Well, don't you think that should have been a red flag right there by Sacramento not even drafting this guy?
2: No, because again, I, I'm going to reiterate, it happens more often than you think where players don't go work out for teams.
5: I got you, Grant. And Grant, one more thing, Grant. Uh, it, do you uh, feel if Brock Purdy's healthy uh, to start this season, do you think he will be your number one quarterback? And if so, how would trailing one hundred percent?
2: Oh, okay. Well It doesn't think- matter. If Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy's ready to go week one, he's one hundred percent, one hundred percent, your starting quarterback.
5: And Grant, remember when the Niners first got Jimmy Garoppolo and I think he uh, wound up winning four or five games for the Niners to end the season? Yes. Uh, You don't see anything that's going to happen like that with Brock Purdy? Or do you think Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: Um, Based on what I saw last year, I think Brock Purdy is better than Garoppolo. But, you know, now that's not going to, we don't know, you know, Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback of the Raiders. I think really the only way Trey Lance Lance is going to, Play this year. There's, I'm not even so sure he's going to be ahead of Sam Darnold on the depth chart. But assuming that he is, he's only going to play if Brock Purdy is not able to play.
5: And so you think if Brock Purdy's injured or he's not performing correctly, you think they'll bring in Trey instead of uh, Darnold? You mean Sam? Uh, yes, sir. Right yes. now, if I had to guess, right now, based on
2: what I think, I think they would. I think I'll just say this: going into the season. If Brock Purdy is not your starting quarterback, I think Sam Darnold will be your starting quarterback.
5: All right, sir. Well, Grant, thanks for taking my call, Grant. Uh, love your show. Like Thank I you, Jerry. Um, have a great weekend.
2: You too. Again, that's I'm making a, that prediction in May. A lot of things can change in training camp. A lot of things can change. All right, we say hello to Scott. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. Scott, you there? All right, Scott is uh, not there. Yeah, I do hope everybody has a fabulous weekend. Again, you got the NBA if you want. You've got the uh, National Hockey League. I will 100% be watching that game coming up tomorrow with Vegas uh, and Edmonton. That was just spectacular hockey in that game one. So uh, thanks very much. Appreciate your joining me right here. And again, have yourself a fabulous weekend. So long, everybody.
1: 18 plus.